What's good, Buckeyes? Welcome to Land Grant Holy Land's Instant Recap Podcast. We are recapping the great but bad up and down roller coaster but dominant somehow win over Iowa. Um, uh, as always, I'm your host, Jordan. I'm here with my co-host, Chris. I'm going to do the thing I always forget to do before I pass it to you for first thoughts. Ohio State beats Iowa 54-10 to um, in a game that feels closer than the score, but also feels not closer than the score. So it's a, a really odd, odd game in a way. What are your initial thoughts? How are you feeling? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a typical... Ohio State mindset, you know, what was it, 26 to 10 at halftime, and it felt like Ohio State was losing a football game if you were just looking. If, like, you didn't watch any of the game and you just looked at Twitter, you'd think Ohio State was down 16 points at halftime. But I, the offense struggled to get it going. Uh, the defense played exceptional in the first half out outside of one penalty, and they just dominated Iowa. They never gave them any chance. So, it was never a game I felt stressed, but seeing the offense kind of explode in the second half really changed the optics of this game for me because, I mean, what they they still had a productive first half, but it wasn't like the first half you wanted with how their starting field position worked out. But they took advantage in the second half of some lapses by Iowa and just really blew this game wide open. Yeah, absolutely. I would say aside from the defense, which I, – I want to take a lot from the defense, but I don't want to take too much because it was Iowa. Um, the biggest thing that I think I took from this game, despite what my tweets look like, um, is that this team is resilient, and that is a win for me. Um, yeah, it was not point. a good showing in the first half, and it could have easily spiraled. I mean, how many times have we seen teams go up against Iowa, give up a big play, some kind of defensive um, you know, touchdown, and then do it again? because they kind of lose their mind. They kind of lose their thing. And, you know, um, Iowa did drop about two or three interceptions uh, and well, two, maybe one or two interceptions. And then one came back from penalty, but um, they are uh, objectively a great defense um, and they played as good as they could and got worn down. Um, their offense didn't yeah. give them a chance. And, and kind of like we said it um, yesterday in buck off, like there's nothing that Iowa could do to win this game like and they played as good a first half as you can play against Ohio State and still gave up 26 points I mean obviously their offense didn't but yeah but that's to be their defense played as they went three they held Ohio State who came into the game with 27 touchdowns and 29 red zone attempts 100 percent um red zone completion no interceptions no fumbles no turnovers down down they scored every time they're in the red zone and kept them three of and made them three or four ohio state still went seven of seven in the red zone so they're still 100 percent on the season but i believe the numbers are now what four inter, four field goals and three touchdowns um which is significantly below their average um or well, iowa i mean they played the game that they wanted to play it's just for the first two and a half quarters that we out Iowa them by getting big defensive plays, yeah. um, getting turnovers, scoring some points on defense. And then, you know, the last, what, like, you know, three fourths of a quarter that the offense was in the middle of the second to the middle of the, um, the middle of the fourth, the offense was Ohio state again and put up like three really quick touchdowns. And uh, you know, like, what half a quarter is now I'm trying to do math eight, like 12 minutes, maybe 
12 ish minutes of game time. They put up three touchdowns and, and blew the game out the water. So, um, honestly, for me, I'm Ryan Day coaching better away from like not having any complaints about this game at all because I didn't have any complaints yeah. about no, the I'm- team. The players, even Stroud didn't look great, but I understand it's a good defense. Like, the players played well. I just didn't like the play calling. And, you know, it really felt reminiscent of what we talk about all the time, that Ryan Day's a bully um, and doesn't have – doesn't play well uh, and doesn't coach well, actually, is what I mean to say, against teams that he views as equal or better. And I say view because I don't view Iowa as a better team. And I think some of these teams that we've struggled against are not teams that conventionally we would view as equal or better, but teams that Ryan Day views as equal or better, um, whether that be the entire team or the defense, he just doesn't typically coach well. And I'm that complaint away from this being a perfect game because ultimately, like I said, they showed their resilience and they put up, they put up 54 points against Iowa. Like, come on. Yeah. With only one defensive touchdown. I'll I'll add that. So yeah, uh, I will say with Ryan Day, um, Iowa, Phil Parker, they had an extra week to prepare for this game, too. Um, I think that really aided them in the first half. But then Ohio State saw, hey, they're blitzing more. They're doing some stuff we might not have seen on film that they saw they could take advantage of us. Ohio State adjusted, and then you can see the offense really get going. Uh, I I got confused a little bit with how much they're trying to run Mayan Williams outside. Um, I'm not here to knock Mayan Williams, but he definitely didn't look like he had his normal amount of burst. And for those who have watched, Mayan Williams is not necessarily a burner to begin with. So that was confusing. Uh, Continuously attacking the middle with like Jack Campbell taking that deep middle drop was questionable because they, Iowa sits with their safety so far back to make plays coming up. It it just, I, I think they had a plan of attack. It didn't work. And I think the one positive I'll take away from Ryan Day in this game, Kevin Wilson, Justin Fry, they went to the the offensive staff, went into the halftime, and they made significant adjustments in how they were going to attack in the second half. And they paid off. Um, I think they, what, ended the game with four consecutive touchdown drives. So I, I don't think you could ask for much more from the coaching staff in that point. But I do think the beginning of the game, they had a plan. The run game was working. Iowa kind of got a little better at stopping it. Uh, then they got a little confusing about all the outside runs, and they forced a few things. But I, I think I'm with you. Uh, the adjustments made up for the first half to me. Yeah, and it's funny because in our group we were kind of laughing because someone said one thing about Ryan Day, he makes amazing second-half adjustments. And we're like, does he? Because he hasn't really shown that a lot. But, I mean, he did show it against um, – he showed it against Utah. He showed it today. Um, so it's there. I, I won't say he, it's consistent, but it is there. Um, Jim knows, knows, and I think you say this more than anyone, um, but it's very true, is one of the best in the country. At and uh, at making second half adjustments, uh, we saw that in doing a lot of the film study. Uh, you know when he was announced and, and some of that other kind of stuff throughout the off season, and that has shown. And I mean, there, I mean, it really didn't even seem like there was much for him to adjust to. But they, I mean, they, they got came better in the, in the second, second half, half too. And they got better. I mean, that, I think most of the turnovers came in the second half. Like they forced, yeah, like that. Uh, four. I think there was two in the first, and then there was four in the second. If if, if, yeah. I'm, if my math is right on that, um, 
The defense, Just, uh, I'll be honest, they, uh, uh, I'm trying to think, they were good in the first half, and then in the second half, they became bullies and just absolutely just buried Iowa's offense, which we all know is the, are pro- the worst in the Power Five for sure, but probably the worst in the entire country. Like, yeah. Ooh, it was, I think, it was it's bad. one of the Colorados or one of the New Mexicos that's worse than theirs. I mean, statistically, after this game, probably not anymore, but there is one that is actually worse than theirs. I think yeah. it's New Mexico State. That's maybe. giving Brian Ferentz too much credit. Yeah, <laughs> too much credit that he's not that he's the second worst offense in the country and not yeah. the worst. <laughs> he worried. Um, I, I I made this comment in the chat and no one responded to it, but I've never seen a coach wear as much hair product as Brian Ferentz. Like he looks cleaned up. He's got as much pomade in as a greaser from the Outsiders movie. And he is not, he has, he, he just looks like a guy who'd have the most boring offense in the world. Yeah. I just, I don't understand it, man. Um, Ohio state's defense was so good that they forced uh, Alex Padilla into the game. And then in his first game, they fumbled the ball. So <laughs> fumbled the snap on the first play. Yeah, yeah. it was, Iowa's offense was comically bad, but I I think I think you said it at the beginning of the show. You don't want to take too much away because it was Iowa, but for a defense and like there's a lot of stat comparisons here. Uh, Michigan gave up like 200 more yards passing to Iowa. You know, teams have given up a lot more run yards to Iowa. Like Ohio State made this defense look even worse than it was, and I think that's where you could start using it as a benchmark because. There's some good defenses who have played them who have looked a little less good against them than Ohio State's did. And that's yeah, that's my sure. biggest takeaway. They, and, and they absolutely took the game over. Yeah. Um, I mean, we put up 54 points. Michigan put up 27. And, and, the, and, and the thing about Michigan putting up 27, um, we left that game, most of us who are able to say nice things about Michigan when it's not rivalry week, feeling like it was still a pretty dominant win. Yeah, it was impressive. They like, controlled oh, wow, most of the game. against Iowa. They ran the ball, not really at will, but ran the ball when they wanted to. It was like, okay, like that's that's pretty good. And, and a few big plays. And, and it's like, all right, well. And, and, and the 54 came um, with no big plays. It, well, one well, big, one big play. Until the fourth quarter, and yeah. and like ninety percent of the games, that's not that is not a call that Ryan Day makes up forty. Yeah, it was, but, uh, thirty. It was forty to ten. You can tell he was frustrated, and he wanted to get yeah. one out there. Yeah, he wanted to get. It was it was a play to get C.J. Stroud back into that feeling like he's in his bag, you know. Yeah. And I think there was a few throw like throw he made. We're gonna we'll we'll save it. We'll save it because we've got. A few things to talk about. I think I think I'll save that for my favorite moment. Honestly, with right. some of the throws That's, he made. So, um, we'll break down just really quickly at half. It was twenty six ten. Stroud was ten for seventeen, one hundred and five yards. Henderson was seven for twenty nine. Agmeka had three for thirty six, and the defense had. Uh, oh no, the defense had three turnovers in the first half. It was one forced fumble, two interceptions, and a turnover on down which I count as turnovers because it says turnover on downs. So they had four turnovers in the first half, two sacks, six tackles for a loss. Um, Petrus was god-awful, six for 14, 49 yards, two interceptions. Uh, Laporta only had uh, was three for 31. And speaking of that, I would just like to say, because I feel like this goes underrated a little bit with all the things that we're talking about, 
tight ends used to kill us. Like, even if we yeah. won, the tight ends would still be like seven for uh, 90 yards, a touchdown, what? something like that. Who's the, the guy for Iowa? Uh, Michael Mayer is one of the best in the country. Um, Those few years, Indiana's tight end would just uh, dog us. was the wide receiver. It was like Forrestall or something. Yeah, I, I can't think of his name, but, but I do know, like, he would kill us. He, I mean, they would never he still win, fills he my just, nightmares a little bit. And, yeah, and it's just like tight ends have not been feasting on us. It's kind of crazy um, to think that, especially with how aggressive Jim Knowles' defense is. Like, you would think that tight ends across the middle would, you know, be there for six or seven yards every, you know, play almost. Uh, and it's not it's not happening. So um, that is that is something huge uh, to to talk about. And, man, like, if you go through my tweets, I was not – happy at halftime um and i feel justified in that i was not happy because i i think that there was a lot of things not to be happy about um i do understand to some that i sound crazy but i would just like to reiterate that when i say things one i'm almost never talking about the players because we typically play well um unless we're just really 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 playing bad but um when i say things i'm not talking about the opponent half the time i'm not even talking about the game like yeah we were up 26 to 10 i'm putting how we're playing into michigan into georgia into bama into tennessee into usc and if we play this way against those teams we we'll probably win by a touchdown no, i'm just kidding <laughs> well it depends on which one but yeah so uh i mean because if, de- if the defense is playing that way we're beating all of them so it's <laughs> yeah. like uh-huh. um but yeah, so yeah, I uh, guess you have. Do you remember any of your thoughts at half or? Yeah, at half, I just kind of, I did my best to simmer down and try to put it into perspective. You know, just Iowa's defense is good, and they played arguably the most complete first half against Ohio State, and that was still giving up. And I, I, you got to give them a little extra credit for how good their defense played because. They had like three drives starting on their own forty yard line, yeah. Because of, and they limited to limited Ohio State to field goals. And you know, I think you could look at it as, man, Ohio State needs to finish those drives. But I tried to do my best, sit back, say, let's give Iowa some credit. They came out, they played hard, uh, and Ohio State still was up sixteen at halftime, even with a kind of sloppy performance on offense and. You know, I think they had one drive with Travion Henderson where they got the run game going, and then outside of that, it was pretty much non-existent. So that was my only frustration at halftime and the way they were attacking, passing the ball. But I just think it was it's a tough game, giving Phil Parker an extra week. He came out with a solid game plan. Uh, I think the one play that's sitting with me is uh, C.J. Stroud just getting shoved down and then him losing the ball. That was kind of funny. Like in hindsight, after they won fifty four to ten, yeah, definitely it was it was it was weird. Um, it's it's funny because I had tweeted um, that um, Donovan Jackson and Paris Johnson Jr. are the best are the best guard tackle combo in the league, and someone responded was like uh, DJ just gave up a sack on a stunt and it led to a touchdown, and I was like that's the fourth sack that they've allowed up all this year, year yeah. On Stroud, so it's like, hey, one bad play is not going to change my opinion. So for all of you that think I'm crazy, I do still have uh, some uh, measured takes in, in the heat of the moment. because hey, We're, we're one, not supposed to be measured happen. on this show. Like, um, things things happen. So, 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy because like as the game was going on, I was just like working my way up, like, and I was just getting angrier and angrier and angrier and angrier. And then at a certain point, I was just like, "Oh no, they figured it out. Yeah, I'm good." Like, and I think that's my favorite thing about this game is because there genuinely was some adversity and they didn't fold. And again, most of my criticisms were against Ryan Day and he figured it out. He figured out some play calls. I I made the joke for anyone that's seen the movie Us. I made the joke that uh, CJ Stroud killed off his tethered. Um, his tethered was playing in the first two and a half quarters. He took, he killed off his tethered, uh, and, and, and got that's the starting job back. That's, that's when he went, uh, those four crazy throws back to back. Um, that's but funny. yeah, so it's like, the tether yeah, just figured it out. Yeah, that wasn't the real CJ Stroud. <laughs> he was he was locked away. He was locked away in the in the locker room. The tethered was out there. Uh he wasn't he wasn't able to speak, so that that's why there was some miscommunication. Um he, he oh, this is a great movie. I need to rewatch that actually while I'm talking about yeah. it. Uh but yeah, I mean they figured it out. Ryan Day finally figured it out with some play calling and was, I love the I love the, the the touchdown to Julian Fleming because you could tell it was I like you said it was out of frustration and it was just like we like we need We're something. taking a we shot from the ten yard line or whatever, the fifteen yard line is like we're taking a shot. I don't care. Like, and that play, honestly oh Fleming having the juice there like he did, that was awesome. I didn't think yeah. he was the burner of the three. He he um he looked fast. He, they call it, yeah, they call it eating the cushion for people who don't like play safety or don't like know all of the individual football terms. And as a wide receiver, they tell you to eat up the cushion of the defender if they're in off coverage. And eating up the cushion is in as few steps as possible. You need to get even with them. And then as as wide receivers like to say, if I'm even, I'm leaving. When and you're going left. deep and when you're doing certain things, if they stay over top of the route, that's going to allow them to break up the pass or come back for an interception, things like that. Because as they used to say in NCAA 14 all the time, as soon as the DB drops a pass, they talk about how he wants to be a wide receiver, but he needs to be on defense. DBs <laughs> are not great at catching the ball over their shoulder. So they want to be over top of you and come down to the pass. So if you're going deep, if you're doing something, you need to eat up their cushion. Um, and he, he I mean, he was like 12 yards off the ball. And he ate up the cushion before he even hit the post, before he even broke to yeah, the post. Yeah, like the safety took like three steps backwards by the time Julian Fleming got to him for his break. Like I, I've never played safety, but if someone came up to me that on came up on me that quick, my entire thought process would be like, "Oh shit! Oh shit!" Oh, I'm just gonna oh, tackle. Like, <laughs> it's just like <laughs> literally, like, all right, you know what? I'm just this. I'm just gonna tackle you. I'm, just yeah, I'm not risking my hamstring. I'm not risking getting embarrassed. I'm just taking the pi. Uh, 15 yards is better than the 75 yard touchdown. I'm about to give up. Yeah, I will say the one I, I the player who impressed me most today was Zach Harrison. Is yeah. that crazy to say? No, no. I was gonna. We, I we have Zach Harrison tour to the, force. Yeah, in the notes, and I just wanted to mention it before I I forgot to bring it up because for all the like we've been tough on Zach Harrison for a couple years now. I know Ohio State fans have expected a lot from Zach Harrison for a few years now. I know it's Iowa, but man, I've never seen a right tackle look so uh, helpless. 
Yeah, and and that's the crazy thing because as me, you, and a lot of people say, Zach Harrison is a great run defender, and he is. Which is why at first, I, at first, I was like, man, why is JT not starting? And then I was like, wait, this is Iowa. It makes sense that he's not starting. Zach Harrison's a great run defender. You want him to set the edge for you. And then he's like, he's getting pressure. He's getting sacks. Like on he um he caused two turnovers, right? Or is it yeah, three? So he, he has the force fumble, the- but we gave him credit for the interception last week, and he—I think he caused two interceptions. Didn't he have? He, I, I he think got he the Tommy Eichenberg three. one too. I think he put yeah. the pressure on for that. So he did cause three. He caused three because he put the pressure on for Tommy, and then he put the pressure on for Tanner's second one where he overthrew. Yeah. Um, where, so he had he he forced a fumble, had a sack. Forced two interceptions. I mean, just made the right tackle look bad. So definitely need to give him some props. Um, him using power rushing moves was something that was a pleasant surprise too. Because like I feel like for a long time he's been trying to do the speed rush, get the bend. He said, "Not today. I'm just using my hands." And it's like, hey, look, bro, you're six five. You can do that. Like I mean, yeah, you're you two hundred eighty pounds and a freak yeah, athlete. <laughs> You need to develop a second move in the NFL, but it's not the NFL. In college, like you can spam the button, you can yes. <laughs> like full rush, and he did it, and it was it was nice. It was it was a happy performance for him. I think, you know, JT got a sack. Jack, so we're, we're, we need to we'll save that for favorite moments too. No, we're gonna talk about it right now. Uh, JT got a sack. Uh, Jack was always living in the backfield. Javante Jean Baptiste probably had his best game as a pass rusher. Uh, it does help that Padilla and Petrus are cement footed, but yeah, they were living <laughs> we talked back about there. That going in. We talked about yeah. that going in that this is a game to get multiples. I think you set the number at four, right? Well, let's check. Let's see if they got there. Let's see. They did. Uh, they got six uh, or five. Yep. Five. Well, still five. 10 TFLs, five sacks. They got the number. They did. And I, I just thought, you know, this was the best the defensive line in its entirety looked as a unit. And, Iowa for, you know, they don't, they, they have a relatively young offensive line for themselves. Uh, and it's definitely not the best unit they've had at the position, but they're still like Brian Ferentz. We make fun of as an offensive coordinator is still solid when it comes to developing an offensive line strategy. And they just got buried alive. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it was, I mean, the defensive line was perfect. Everyone, like even the guys that we typically say, like, "Hey, why are they in there?" Like, I've and and like as I like to say, if you're going to criticize, you need to give credit. I'm going to give credit to JJB, uh, Javante John Baptiste. Have not been a fan of much of what he's done recently, but he had a, a great game. Um, I mean, Ty Leak didn't have any stats, but he was destroying some things. Like there was one he play, I think it was Ty Leak. Yeah, I think he it was, was Ty Leak. was in trouble play. Team. Yeah, um, there was one play where he um, got into the backfield so fast he over like he was in there before the handoff and overran the running back. Yeah, no, I, that, that was, was crazy, tight, right? You know what play I'm talking yeah. about? And they ended yeah. up getting like two or three yards because they fit in like right behind him. But he got in so quick it was like, oh, where's the ball? Oh, it's behind me. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. Jerron Cage, I think this was like another guy like JJB where they're not necessarily. They never really flashed when they're in the game. I think they both flashed today. Jerron Cage had one and a half TFLs, half a sack. Like that's a game you want. That's a confidence game for him. And if you could give 
Tyreek, if you could give Mike Hall, if you could give Teron Benson that blow and have those guys in, because they definitely played with their more run-oriented defenders today too, which yeah. makes it even more impressive that they got five sacks. Because like we said, Teron uh, Cage played a lot. Uh, Mike Hall didn't play all that much, it felt like. Uh, Tyreek was in more, and there's one reason for that. He eats up bodies, and he did a great job of that today. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, overall, it was just uh, a very, very um, good performance. So, um, even, I mean, even the corners played well, which, again, I, we're, we're only saying so much because Iowa doesn't have a real, a real wide receiver. But, like, Denzel Burke made an amazing play on that screen. Um, yep. He fought through it and tackled Sam Laporta, who's who looked in on that play to be like double his size, tackled him one on one with a guy blocking him. Like, um, yeah, he, Jordan he Hancock was an eraser today, and I don't yeah. think there was a ball targeted in his direction. And I now understand why they were talking about Jordan Hancock so much being out with injuries. I think he is really the difference we've been looking for, and. I know it's Iowa. I know they don't have really a quarterback who can test them, but they definitely had a quarterback who's willing to throw into coverage, and they did not throw it towards Jordan Hancock very much today at all, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah I didn't see it much either. Um, I would definitely like – I'm excited for next week against Penn State because, you know, they don't have Jadon, Jahan Dotson anymore, but Parker Washington is a He's solid good wide receiver, um, and so I would like to see them too against him for sure. Yeah, um, so, and we said it. Denzel, he's been playing much better the last couple weeks. You could see it's three I think good games for him. He looked healthy coming out of the bye week, and he looked confident today. And I think that's something that we've been wanting to see. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's three straight good games for him. So, um, again, if you're going to criticize, you also need to give credit. He has played really well. Um, I, I think I want to spend – if you um, – if you don't object, I want to spend the second half of the show talking about the defense um, because we're 20 something minutes in and we haven't talked about Tommy and I could go for an hour on Tommy. So before yeah, we go to break, do, do you have any, do you have any finishing thoughts on the offense? Um, that I think you, I can't remember if you mentioned it on the show or if you said it before, because you know, we always talk before these shows. Uh, Mayan, Mayan did not look great today. I'm not sure if it was injury, not sure if uh, – he, he was dancing a little too much. Um, he did get the touchdown where he went straight ahead, but I'm not exactly sure what was going on there. And I think that uh, – it, I mean, it only means so much because they all play, but I do think that there's something there, right, when mm-hmm. um, Travion is still the first running back out there despite the fact of how Mayan was playing with Travion being injured. Um, and – Neither of the running backs really played well, um, and the offensive line didn't play amazing and run. Um, yeah. I, I, I still contend they played well with straight runs, and they played well with gap scheme runs, but they were getting destroyed with uh, with guys on the backside. They didn't cut a single guy off on any outside run. Backside uh, defensive uh, linemen and linebackers were just flowing to the ball and, and getting tackles, um, short yardage, and behind the line of scrimmage. But um, run game definitely wasn't clicking. I think that's the last thing for me on the offensive side of the ball. I'm not concerned about it because um, I watched the Iowa game, and uh, Chase Brown, who's one of the best running backs in the country, he got over 100 yards, but he earned every single one yeah, of them. Yeah, he had like I 30 th- carries to get there. 
Yeah, I think he averaged like three point yards, three something yards per carry. Um, and Michigan had to earn all their yards too. And I hate to say this, but objectively, Michigan has a better running game. I do not think they have a better running back. I would take both of our running backs over both of theirs, if I'm being completely honest. And maybe that's some bias because I could I would hear the argument that Blake Corum is better than Mayan Williams, but I'm taking our guys. But they have a better designed running game, and a, yeah, a, a they need to run the ball, like willing to stick to it. But uh, Michigan had to earn all their carries too, so we didn't stick to the running game. Not too concerned about it, uh, even though the final stats were. Where did I put those? The final stats were. Um, oh yeah, where uh, were thirty carries for sixty six yards, two point two yards per carry. Um, not great. One touchdown, but not super concerned. Any final thoughts on you about the offense? Yeah, I, I'm going to stick with what you're kind of getting into because I feel like we already touched the passing game. I feel like the offensive line was due to kind of have one of those humbling experiences, right? And I think that kind of happened today with the run game. Like, I think this is probably the first defensive line that could also that could punch back, honestly, in a lot of ways. And we talk about, you know, sometimes – Teams like Ohio State can bully other teams, and Iowa was Iowa did a good job at controlling the line of scrimmage for the most part in that game, and that's something that I think Justin Fry will take on the chin, get into film, and the next time we play a good defensive line, the offensive line will look much better because of it. They'll be much better prepared for it too. Yeah, I agree, and I, and that's the thing. I think um, Iowa's defensive line I wouldn't consider dominant like ours was, but they did their job, and their job was to let the linebackers flow free. Yeah. Um, I think if you don't have Jack Campbell back there um, and some things, like you maybe get some more of those things off, but uh, Iowa has really good linebackers who kind of made up um, for some things. Um I'm trying to find um, Jack Campbell's statistics. So um, he had nine tackles. Um, the uh, other linebacker had six. Um, so I think that, you know, I don't know. Um, the other thing, though, I will say about the offensive line, not to provide any kind of excuse or anything like that, because I do agree that they need to play a little bit better. Um they were playing with a lot of stacked boxes. I mean, on yeah, every they were loaded up. There was eight guys in the box now, and that was one of my biggest complaints with Ryan Day because he's never heard of a slant. I'm telling you, me, out of shape, and never been a wide receiver could have picked up a couple of those third downs on slants because a couple of them and they hit the him a few times. Safety, a couple of them, the inside safety was off of the ball. They weren't even impressing all of them. It's literally three steps, boom, one look, catch it, tuck it, fall. And it's easy. It's just like that. It's just like that. And they didn't run a single slant all game. Yeah, for sure. Uh, they had that. They had a few RPOs in like the the first half, and that's it. I remember Marvin catching one or two, and then they. What do they do when they have something that works? Just go away just from it for a little bit. Stop. Just go away uh-huh. from it. But yeah, the last thing I, I, I have to say. Um, I said it my last thing, but I lied. I do have one more thing. Um, wide receivers, I'm not going to say that any of them were spectacular as they've been, but they were all good. They all fought against some coverage. They made some tough catches. They helped CJ out a little bit. Um, Marvin Harrison, seven for 62, another touchdown. All three, the trio, all had a touchdown. Um, they all affected the game in different ways. Um, Julian Fleming only had two catches, but um, he had the big one. 
79 yards and a touchdown. Emeka Iguka, six for 80 and a touchdown. Um, it's crazy. Uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. had 10 targets. Emeka Iguka had nine. Fleming only had two targets, but he caught both of them. So um, is, they both. Is the offense know. better without Jackson Smith and Jigba? Some people are asking. No, I'm just kidding. I don't want to start that but, fire. Yeah, that I'm not going to start. I stoked it, but I'm not starting it. Yeah, yeah. Not, <laughs> you stoked it, but you're not going to start it. All right, well, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back, and we're going to wrap up talking about this defense and talking about Tommy Eichenberg. Let's do it. What's good, everyone? Welcome back to Land Grant Holyland's Instant Recap um, Podcast. We are recapping the dominant 54-10 win over Iowa. Again, maybe I'm saying this for myself. Maybe I'm saying this for the listeners. 54 points is the most points ever given up in the Ferentz era. Um, we put up 54. Iowa has allowed 59 all season. So, um, still a great performance, even if it doesn't always look how you wanted it to look, uh, speaking to myself. Um, but we're going to talk about the defense. The defense was amazing. I can't remember if I read off the final stats. So if I didn't, if I did, oh, well, if I didn't, here they are. Three forced fumbles, three interceptions, one being a pick six. They had two turnover on downs. Could have been three, but I know for a fact it was at least two. Five sacks and ten tackles for loss. They gave up three points, um, and that was on a BS. It was on a BS uh, pass interference, and then they still had to kick a fifty-yard field goal. So it's not even like they really got close. Um, they're not yeah, that they many college kickers who are making a fifty-yarder. So um, a one pi away from um, a shutout uh, for the defense. Um, good. I mean, very interesting blitzes. We already kind of talked about the defensive line dominating in every, literally every way possible. Um, linebackers flowing to the ball. Steel Chambers had a good game. Um, safety's spectacular. I made I made the joke that uh, you could tell that Tanner McAllister wasn't coached by Ohio State coaches because he could catch the ball. Yeah, <laughs> he's, yeah. he's not he's not dropping them. So uh, I don't know I don't know what they were doing down at Oklahoma State, but uh, they were on the Jim machine there. like they should have been. Hopefully Jim Nose brings it up here because he he's he's not dropping anything that comes to him. That second interception surprised him. It just landed in his arms, and he was like, "All right, I, I'll catch it." Like he's got to uh, take one back though. Like he's been yeah. close, but he's got to get one. I thought he was uh, going to take the first one back. I really did. He like he looks really fast, and then he does it all of a sudden. I don't know what it is with Tanner. It's at Oklahoma State speed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He he doesn't have Ohio State speed yet, but he does have uh, Ohio State playmaking. So, I'm in absolutely, yeah, yeah. And honestly, like just to take a quick second on Tanner McAllister, I know, like me, you were guilty of it. Like I think a lot of the Ohio State writers are guilty of it, but we kind of just assumed he was a placeholder, and like other players were going to step in. And he's honestly become one of my favorite defenders out there. I don't see this defense without him being successful, like as successful. They'd still be good, yeah. you know. Well, so here's the thing: me, I know me and you watched a lot of film against him. Did he didn't play this way against at Oklahoma State? Yeah, and I I really think he is he's elevated because the other players are at his like maybe not. I don't know how to like put it in the correct terms, but he's elevated his game iron. because everybody else is playing at such a high level and he doesn't have to yeah. take that same responsibility that he probably had at Oklahoma state. He gets to do his job. 
And I, I think it's that thing that we always say that, you know, some people probably roll their eyes at. You have to go against these wide receivers every day. That makes you better. If you can go against these wide receivers, you can go against anybody. And iron sharpens iron, and he's played. I mean, he was good at Oklahoma State, but let's be honest. If he Never was this good at Oklahoma guy. State, yeah, if he was this good at Oklahoma State, he'd be in the league. He wouldn't be here for his fifth year. He's worked his way into a draft pick. He's probably, I mean, if they, if the Big Ten is smart, which I'm not sure that they are, he could work his way into an all-conference. Um, I think he's up there in interceptions. He has three now. Um, Cooper DeGene for Iowa has had three, but he hasn't had one since. So he's uh, tied for first or at least second in interceptions, depending on how this week shakes out. Um, at three interceptions, I mean, he's been playing well. And we'll always have the... Um, We'll always have the him knocking the ball away on that touchdown. I mean, has I, I don't want I don't know how to fully answer this because the other guy was on the offensive line and not everyone like fully understands offensive line play. But do you think he's a more impactful transfer than um? Oh, how am I going to forget his name? Jonah Jackson. Guy. Yes, Jonah Jackson, who was I, crucial still, for us at right guard. I'd still probably give the nod to Jonah Jackson just because of his like importance to that team success that given year. Um, but I mean, when you look at transfers, like I'd say it's Justin Fields. It's he's probably at the Trey Sermon level. Like you probably could have okay. done everything you did without Trey Sermon, but it was better to have him because you know that's, that's you've fair. had the picks, you've had the big plays. Like Trey Sermon had the huge games, like. I think that's probably where it's in line. We're like, Ohio State probably still goes six and zero without Trey Sermon, but they looked a little better in some games because of him. Yeah, I, I think that's good. I think um, I like that one. The Trey Sermon level of transfers, and hey, I'm not going to say names. I already did that in the chat, but I will say Ohio State is very selective with transfers, and they're four for four. Maybe okay. They're four for five. Pallier note note hasn't worked out, but um, and he recovered a fumble today. Yeah, four five for five. We'll say five for five, five. for five. Come on, <laughs> it's not his uh, fault. Five. USC took away his whole off season. Yeah, not at all. That was some BS. He didn't really get. He didn't really get to be out there. So, um, very Chip selective. Train, he's running the ball now. Out. He's returning kicks. Six for six. Yeah, yeah. I, I wasn't gonna throw. I wasn't gonna throw Chip in there, but you know he hasn't he hasn't made the impact yet. But fine, you know we're we're here. We're six for six uh, in the transfer portal. I'm only getting guys who are who are contributing and not having issues with the law. Um, we're Tommy Eichenberg. Tommy Eichenberg. Tommy Eichenberg. I'm gonna get it right. Um, he's I mean, a, he, like he's that guy. He is the he defense. Is. I, I feel like when you talk about Jim Knowles' defense, there's always a great linebacker. Like, if you watch Hard yeah. Knocks, Rodrigo, he's basically – this team's Rodrigo. He's just all over the field, just crazy dude. I love the line Jim Knowles says. Sometimes I say stuff to him, he just grunts back, and then he fixes things. Uh, he scored a touchdown, and I don't think there's two people happier on the face of this planet for Tommy Eichenberg, besides maybe his family, for him I scoring that touchdown. I, I was more happy than some of his family. I might give it to his mom and his dad, but like cousins and stuff. Yeah. Nah, I got that. I was more excited than them for sure. Uh, one of his sisters doesn't care about football. I was more He's excited. basically family to us at this if point. If he has sisters, one of them doesn't care. I was more excited than her too. Like put me, put me at the table, invite me to Thanksgiving um, as a conductor of the Tommy train. I mean, 
I like that uh, one thing that they that they mentioned on the broadcast. They were like, you could tell that he knows where the ball was going when they tried to do that um, that little uh, yeah. jet sweep. He was literally jet like, sweep. before he even like, snapped the ball, he shifted over. He knew where the ball was going. He didn't make the play, but you know he's yelling at his guys what to do. They make the play. Yeah. Um, Don't get me wrong. I love the shout out for Tommy, but if I was, uh, I, I think it was Zach Harrison made the play. If I was Zach yeah. Harrison's family and they're like. Talking about Tommy slide stepping with the jet motion instead of my awesome TFL, I'd be I'd be pretty frustrated with Joel. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, hey, as a linebackers guy, I was happy about it. I was happy that that he was getting a little love. Um, we need him on our mean, train. Get we, the, on our on our Heisman for Tommy for Heisman train. So Joel talking about yeah. him as much as he can is good for us. Good for the brand. Honestly, he didn't get the ten plus tackles I predicted, but that was largely because. Iowa couldn't run three straight plays without throwing an interception or fumbling the ball. So um, they didn't have that many plays. I actually want to Wait, hold on. I can pull that up real quick. I was going to say, uh, is there a way to tell how many plays they ran? They had total? 59 total plays. That's uh, bad. That's really bad. If he had, had nine tackles on two. So. I mean, it's, yeah, but like, that's not good either. Not a lot of plays. Yeah, not a lot of plays today. I mean, 54 points on 62 is great, but 62 is not not a lot of plays. Nine tackles yeah. on, on, on 59 plays, and a lot of those plays being interceptions and things like that. Um, great game. Great game. Um, I, I, I don't know if everyone gets this joke, but have you seen the video of the guy in the street that's like, um, he's like, his clothes, whack. His shoes, yes. whack. What? To him, whack. Me, I'm dope as, yeah. So I posted that gif, and I said, Tommy, when you mentioned Jack Campbell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his foot stance, whack. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Tom, I mean, I think, I mean, Tommy's been playing well in general. And, hey, Jack had a game, man. I, I realized it, I realized it, like, midway through. It was, like, 30 minutes after it happened, I was thinking about his interception, and I remember that you told me he was 6'5". And I'm like, I think I know why CJ threw that. Because no other linebacker is 6'5". He forgot, and he thought he could sneak it in there. Yeah, and and it's funny, because I brought up him being a tight end. I'm like, you know what? He kind of looked like one there. Yeah, I mean, he freaking jumps up, puts his his mitts in the air, knocks it down, falls on, and it's like, who the hell is this guy? And it's like, oh, yeah. Jack Campbell if he was good. We joke. <laughs> yeah, if he was six one like most linebackers, that ball gets in there. <laughs> right over his fingers. Yeah. <laughs> He's free at 6'5". Oh, like, that doesn't make any sense. I, like, it was at that point that I realized that, that, like, my anger started to, like, dissipate because, like, the offense was doing better. And I was like, CJ's bad play wouldn't have been a bad play on 95% of linebackers. You either have to yeah, be 6'5", right? <laughs> and be able to jump out the gym to get to that. Uh, it still wasn't, you know, perfect because the linebacker was there. But you look at that throw compared to the one to Marvin, where he throws it in between three guys, and that throw significantly less hard. It's just Jack Campbell six five, and yeah. super athletic. Like, doesn't make any sense. Why is he still in college? Why is he not in the league? <laughs> uh, he wanted to come back in with the Big Ten championship. Didn't you hear? Ah, go play. If, go I, play in the NFL, man. What are I you doing? Took, like, truth serum, once again, like, if you gave Jack Campbell truth serum, if he knew Spencer Petras wasn't going to take any steps forward, he probably would have left. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, now he's now he's just racking up stats on a 3-4 and four team and just wasted a year where he could have been a millionaire. Playing um, in the Gator Bowl. 
just just bad just bad um but man i just there are not many times when things are perfect and the hiring of jim Knowles is perfect he is exactly what we needed him to be um and this is not necessarily related to the game but we didn't get a chance to say it on big thoughts because i think it happened after we recorded or maybe we just didn't realize it they asked ryan day about jim Knowles and his desire to be a head coach and Ryan Day basically said he'd been a head coach before. I think he likes being a defensive coordinator because he likes the responsibility. He likes interacting with the guys, which you really don't get to do as much as a head coach. And he's like, I think Ohio State's a destination job for him. He has family in Columbus. like, And I was just like, he's like, I think he's going to be here for the long term. He's like, you always run the risk of people leaving um, when you hire these guys and, and you want to hire them essentially to stay as long as possible. But Ryan Day just he didn't coach speak it. He came out and said he thinks Ohio State's a destination job for Jim Knowles. And God, I hope it is. Give him a lifetime contract. Like just like if this is what he's doing in year one, man, what is what is next year gonna look like? Yeah. I don't know, man. Uh it, with a lot of those young guys coming back. So Almost all of them. I mean, Tommy can leave, but he's a linebacker. Is he gonna leave? Probably not. Probably not. Um, I mean Tanner's Steel? not gonna be there. Probably not. Steele's not going to leave. I think Steele needs. I think for Steele to be a legitimate draft prospect, he needs two good linebacking years, and he only has half of one. He he wasn't great last year. That's not going to look good on NFL tape. Um, yeah, and it all depends on where they're graded at. I yeah, I don't know. I mean, Tommy might blame himself into it, but I, if I was Tommy, I would leave. But he's a Pete Warner stayed forever, and he's a stud in the NFL. And Tommy's going to do what Pete is doing essentially. He's going to go to the right team, and it's just going to be a crazy middle linebacker. They'll take him off the field for passing plays, but he's going to average a hundred tackles. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Tommy's definitely going to be. Gonna be a, yeah, Tommy's definitely going to be a pension guy. Like, you know, you never know what his career is going to end up, but he's going to be a pension guy. I think you need three years in the NFL to get the pension. He's going to be a pension guy for sure, um, wherever that's he all ends you, up. So. That's all you can ask for once they get there. Honestly, uh, give me the pension. Let me get out of here. Um, yeah, so Tommy played great. Defense played great. Knowles is awesome. It literally – could not have asked for more. Um, he was absolutely the best defensive coordinator out there. And this just may, reminds me of like Penn State fans. They're like, oh, well, we got Manny Diaz. It's like, no, no, no. You got Manny Diaz because you didn't get Jim Knowles. Because you yeah. called him. You called you him. Called. He just didn't pick up. Just Penn like State's Julian just Fleming so didn't pick up. Yeah. Just like just Justin Fields hung up the phone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, do you have any thoughts on the defense before we wrap up? Favorite moments and players of the game? Uh, yeah, no, I think I'm good. We we kind of talked. We spr- we sprinkled it in throughout. I thought it was a great performance all around. They bullied a terrible offense, but that's what you want to see. Like if they gave up 20 or so points against Iowa, I'd be mad here. But they gave up. They gave up three points. Yeah, absolutely. And again, a BSPI call and a 50 yard field goal. So. Yeah, yeah. Spencer Petras, most that. of his balls are uncatchable, so I don't even know why they had the flag out. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know, man. That was bad. Um, all right, so favorite moments. We kind of talked about some of these. Um, Zach, sack fumble. It was very much deserving for him. Um, Zach Harrison. Zach Harrison, very much deserving. Um, like I said, I, I think sometimes if you're not like um, – 
between the lines football guy you don't appreciate what Zach Harrison does because you just want the sacks and for him to have a visibly dominant game like it is very hard as a defensive lineman to have a visibly dominant game and he had a dominant game that anybody could tell um that's beautiful um Tommy E pick six I mean what else do I have to say it's a defensive touchdown would have been happy about that no matter what but it came from Tommy E that makes it even better um, and then I put Fleming's touchdown on here because this is just Julie, like, yeah, I mean, we've said it, you know, we've been doing this podcast for over a year. I think we both said it multiple times. If Julian can play, come back and make himself healthy, he can work his way into a number into a first round pick. I don't know if he'll do that this year. I think he needs two years of no injuries yeah. to do it, but he's showing the first round pick talent. He should not be able to move like that. Ohio State might have three first round picks next year. Yeah. I mean, they do. They will. It is what it is. I think Julian stays. I think they have three first-round picks next year. And if um, Julian and, goes, he'll probably still be a second or third-round pick. Yeah, for sure. But if, if he stays and he stays healthy for two full seasons, he's absolutely a first-rounder. Um, and this last one's yours, right? Uh, yeah, the corner's not having any bad plays. Uh, the BSP icon, I'm not even counting towards that. I, I think that was just mostly – and I think that was on Tanner, right? Yeah, I think so. So – yeah, the corners don't have any bad plays. I thought they had a clean performance. I don't think they really they kept everything in front of them. I didn't see anything bad happen. If I'm wrong, you guys can tweet at me all you want, all the bad plays they had. But from my memory, if it serves me correctly, I don't think the corners had any problems today. And against no. a terrible offense, that's the first thing, that's the first step they needed to take. That's absolutely absolutely what you want to see. And I just want to say this. It wasn't P.I., but even if it was, could could you be mad at him? He had a freaking six foot five tight end running at him. Like I might I may have grabbed two, but it wasn't P.I., so it doesn't matter. Um yeah. players of the game, Tanner McAllister had a had a pretty lockdown game, two interceptions. You deserve player of the game. Tommy E. Um, play of the game, and then the entire defensive line. It's really the entire defense. I just wanted to highlight two specific players. So we'll give it to the entire defense, and then we'll highlight a couple players, uh, and Tommy uh, Tanner and Tommy E. I didn't do an offensive guy because despite all the points, some of them struggled, and I don't think it's like it's kind of the same as person. the defense where everyone was yeah. good. You know, well, Nobody like really stood out. Like, they all had their moments where they're like, oh, yeah, he's still him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, did you have anyone to add? Uh, I mean, I, I'll give it to Stroud's four straight throws that were just, like, ungodly. That yeah, we didn't even talk Stroud. about that. Like, Shadow Realm C.J. Stroud. God level throws. I mean, the like up. the first one was to – the first one to a Mecca – and I, it's crazy because I saw that and I noticed it, but then I also remember him talking about it in interviews about how he doesn't want to get his guys hurt. And you can tell that the throw was in a place where Mecca had to slow down. And then yeah. you see the safety coming. If he throws that and doesn't force him to slow down, and that's just like like that's like God level think God tier level thinking, NFL level thinking. Then that next throw he had to Buka that to the back pylon was. I, yeah. That window was non-existent, and he just dropped it in there. Like it was no, and I was, I was mad because I didn't know it was an out and up, and a, a mecca was open instantly on the out, and I'm like, throw the out, just get the first down, and then it's an out and up touchdown. It's like, oh, that's why he waited. Um, I thought, yeah, so that was crazy. The that was I mean, good coverage. At, I, I, I was corner was there. It was at no point in time did it look like he should have thrown that pass to Marvin Harrison, 
three guys, put it up where only Marvin Harrison can get it. And a great pass, a great catch yeah. from Harrison with the fingertips. Um, and then the last one, Julian Fleming. Just, I mean, that pass was so perfect. I think it surprised Fleming, and he almost dropped yeah, it. because it went right by the defender's hands to his fingers. And he's like, oh, wait. The ball's Happy birthday, here. Julian. <laughs> it's like, I didn't, the ball's here? That's crazy. Let me, he didn't let me have to catch this. it. The ball caught him. <laughs> yeah, just straight to the gloves, just straight to the sticky material. Like this, it was uh, crazy. Um, injuries and suspensions. JSN tweaked his hamstring again, and it's just going to be like this this season. Probably. Hamstrings are one of the worst things to come to come from, and I, I think he's going to try to play right when he can. Um, but I just don't know if this is something that we'll really see a full JSN at all. Um, but also, I think that they need to help him out a little bit and just kind of J- don't make JSN the deep route guy, right? Where he's yeah. really having to put a lot of uh, stuff on that. Just, I don't know. You got to think about his future as well. So, yeah. And I think that's where this conversation might start steering to is he's got a future to protect a little bit. The offense is looking pretty good. Um, you want him back because you could never have too many offensive weapons, but those those thoughts are probably starting to creep in a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and then the last last thing, what's next? Penn State at noon. It is not a whiteout, which is not check her out Penn or whatever State. they call it. <laughs> that one doesn't matter. Um, it is not that is that not being a night game and not being a whiteout is not good for Penn State. The worst thing because for Penn State. Um, we talk trash about a lot of Ohio State fans, but they actually typically get into the stadium uh, for noon mm-hmm. games. At least three quarters of them. Uh, Penn State fans don't, <laughs> so that stadium's yeah. going to be half empty at kickoff. Like that's not that's not a positive for them. We'll talk about that more on Buck Off next week. But but that's what's next. No big noon kickoff. Another Ohio State game. Uh, Ohio State versus Penn State. Any final yeah. thoughts? Hey. Uh, Urban Meyer said uh, Ohio State's defense is better than I was. So take that for what it's worth. And we'll end on that. Go Bucks. <laughs>